We are citizens of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. The, the only kingdom that cannot be shaken. <laughs> Glory be to God. As children of the Most High God, we need to remind ourselves again and again, you are not your problem, you are not your situation, you are not your circumstance, you are not what you are going through, you are only going through it, you are not that thing that you are going through. You are precious to God. You are precious to God. Amen. I said you are precious to God. Amen. Somebody say I'm precious to God. First Samuel chapter 30 and today I'm going to wrap up this by the special grace of God. The enemies had come to Ziklag and they had burned Ziklag to ashes. And David and his men had gone out to war and they were living in Ziklag. And by the time they came back to Ziklag, they came back home, everything was gone. Their wives, their daughters, their sons, everything gone. All their wealth, everything they had ever labored for. When the enemy comes to attack, many, many times it comes to do maximum damage. Attacks your body, attacks your mind, attacks your, your finances, attacks your health, your, fi your family, your relationships, your, your academics. He doesn't like to be nice because it is not in him to be kind. He's evil through and through and that's why... You have to be a child of God through and through and know who you are and be aggressive in your spirit. Amen. And, and if anything has ever been stolen from you, you need to have a fighting spirit to get it all back because you have a God that wants you to recover all. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. A part-time Christian cannot defeat a full-time devil. First Samuel chapter 30 from verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Now, can you see God in action? The enemies came, they took their wives, they took their sons and daughters, but they didn't kill any of them. They could have killed them in one fell swoop, but they did not kill them. They did not touch them because God prevented them. Even though they stole them, they kidnapped them, but God prevented them from killing them. Are you with me, church? So even when the enemy thinks that he's so smart, he still cannot outsmart God because God still has his edge about you. He still has his edge of protection around your life. Can I have an amen to that? You might have lost a job, you might have lost an opportunity, but here you are, you haven't lost your life, you haven't lost your mind, and you're not going to lose them. Can I have an amen to that? Because God has a recovery plan for you. To him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. So if you're alive this morning and you're listening to me, whether you're here or you're online, you are alive because God still has a recovery plan for your life. If you didn't make it alive this morning, then it's over. But you're here. I pray for someone, the remaining days of this year will be days of full recovery and total recovery for you in the name of Jesus. Whether it's your health, your finances, your, your family, your academics, your business, whatever it is, God will step into the situation. Can I have a better amen? I like an amen that is alive because it's one of the names of Jesus and King Jesus is alive and well. So let your amen be alive and well. You are blessed. Can I have an amen? Very good. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept 
until they had no more power to weep. Maximum weeping. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. There comes a time of great distress in the life of a child of God. But it is not the end. It's only a bend. And because it's a bend, you will pass through and you will pass over and you will come out better. Can I have an amen? So David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of, the, of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David, somebody say, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In 1 Samuel 22, these men that were planning to stone David, 400 of them, were the, the people who came to David of their own volition. They came to him to, to be their captain. They were people in distress. They were people that were depressed. They were people that were owing money. They were in debt. They were people that were not happy. They were not content with their lives. And so they gathered together, about 400 of them, and they came to the cave Adulam to David to say, David, be our captain. And he began to mentor them, began to train them. A, a figure began to show them how to praise God because seven times a day do I praise you, O God. According to David, according to Psalm 119 and verse 164, David was a man given to constant praise. However busy his schedule was, he would make time seven times a day to praise God. Three times a day to pray. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and will hear my voice. But seven times a day, David made time to praise God. And so he was teaching these young men how to do all of that. He was their mentor, he was their captain. And they were doing well. And things were improving. And all of a sudden, they also started getting married and having kids. And as God was increasing David, these guys were also being increased. And so they went to war with him. And they came back and didn't find their wives and children. And all of the things that they had gathered. And the next thing they started thinking about was to stone David. Because they thought he was their problem. If you hadn't taken us away to battle, we would have been at home to defend our wives, to defend our sons, to defend our daughters. And so what we need to do now is to kill you. Now listen to me. Stoning David, would that have returned their wives? Come on, talk to me, church. Would that have returned their, their, their kids, their daughters and their sons? And how about their property? Now, many times, people don't shoot the arrow in the right direction. And this is like, this is similar to Christians who say the wrong prayers. You, you generate prayer points from your head. And you are shooting in this direction, whereas the problem is in this direction. That's why more often than not, pray prayers that are scriptural. That is the only kind of prayer that God hears. Any prayer that is not in line with the word of God, God is not under any obligation to hear, let alone to answer. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, oh, no, no. and this is the confidence that we have in him, that whatsoever we ask according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, then we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. It is the confidence that we have in him. What is that confidence? Whatsoever we ask according to his will. So what about when we ask, but it is not according to his will? Will he hear us? Talk to me, church. Will he hear us? No, he won't. He will not hear. The only thing God hears is his will. Your mouth may be moving. You may be making noise. And you may be making noise for 20 years. That's why sometimes, you know, people say, you know, sometimes God answers prayers. Sometimes he does not. What kind of prayers are you praying? We need to ask ourselves, are we praying right? Because if you're not praying according to his will, he will not hear. 
He will see your mouth moving, but he won't hear what you're saying. The only thing God hears is his will. And listen, church, the will is not far from us. The word of God is the will of God. Can I have an amen? So every time you pray the word, God hears you. People gather prayer points online these days. Join every kind of prayer meeting going on on MixLR, on YouTube, on Facebook, on all of that. I don't have <laughs> no time to criticize anybody, but we, we need to come to a point where we grow and understand that God wants to fellowship with you one-on-one. -on -one. And in the place of fellowshipping with you one-on-one, -on -one, he shows you his will. And when you pray his will back to him, he doesn't have a choice but to answer. The Bible says this is the confidence. He didn't say this is the probability that we have. He didn't say this is some kind of possibility. He said this is the confidence that we have in him. And what is the confidence that we have? That if we ask anything according to his will. He didn't just say if we ask anything. To ask anything is to ask for someone else's husband. And say, Lord, I like that man. He's handsome and he's very generous and I want him to be my husband. Whereas he's married to someone else. That is to ask anything. But if you look at it very well, it says to ask anything according to his will. Now, will it be his will that you snatch someone else's husband? The last time I checked, it won't be his will. And so because it is not his will, you can pray that prayer for 25 years. God will still not hear. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? All right, so these men were thinking of stoning David. Stoning David was not the answer. But David knew the answer. And I want to emphasize two points as I wrap up this topic, this series today. The series is titled, And Without Fail, Recover All. I picked it from here. But there are two major points. One of them I've emphasized before. I want to, I want to re-emphasize because it's so registered in my spirit and in my heart. And I want you to get it. And then I'll give you one more and then that'll be it for today. The Bible says, and David said, verse 7, to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son. I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? This is a very salient point. David didn't use his common sense. <laughs> uh, common sense is good, but there is a, a point, there's a limit to which it can get you. Common sense will not work here. Inquiring at the Lord. Asking the Lord questions in the place of prayer. Wanting to get direction. Will get the job done. While everybody was getting angry and thinking of stoning. David inquired at the Lord singing. Shall I pursue after this troop? And he was asking relevant questions. Because sometimes, again, we come to the place of prayer and what we are doing is a rehearsal of our problems and not praying intelligently to God. You know, you can pray in the understanding and you pray very intelligently and very accurately, even in the understanding. If you go to the book of First Kings and you read the prayer of Solomon in First Kings 8, he didn't speak in tongues. Everything he said is a very long prayer, was a prayer in the understanding. And God answered. If you go through the old covenant, you see these men praying to God, and God answered them. God answered Abraham. God answered Isaac. God answered Jacob. None of them spoke in tongues. 
We have a better advantage over them because now we have the Holy Spirit, not just in us, but also on us. Not just on us, but also in us, indwelling us. But how come we don't even know how to pray? Especially when it comes to praying in the understanding. Listen to your prayer sometimes. Are you telling God what to do? Or are you telling God a statement of the problem? Or are you rehearsing the problem again over and over again to God? Trying to inform him because he doesn't know. Shall I pursue after this truth? Imagine David saying, well, Lord, they've taken our wives, they've taken our sons, they've taken our daughters. And the Lord said, oh, really? They've done that? Wow. Michael, what are we going to do? David just informed me now, they've taken their wives and kids and their property. Nobody will ever inform God. You, you will never have the opportunity to inform God about anything. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He knew it before it happened. And after it happened, he's still there. Please, in the new year, by God's grace, is one of the areas we're going to be looking at in our prayer life. How to pray intelligently, even in the understanding. Many of us run out of steam. If you're asked to lead prayer, or if you want to pray, one-on-one, just you alone and God, and you just want to pray, you are, or maybe you are compelled to pray in the understanding for 30 minutes. After two minutes, you don't know what to say again. We run out of steam. Lord, um, thank you for everything. Thank you for waking us up today. Thank you for the food on the table. Thank you for good clothes on our backs. Um, and that's it. You don't know how to present your petition before the Lord. Intelligently. I mean in the understanding. Praying in the understanding does not mean that you are offering a carnal prayer. So many times, as Pentecostals, we have gone to the extreme. Lead us in prayer. And then you turn all the way. That's fine. But how about people who are just coming into the service and they don't know the prayer topic? They don't know what you're praying about. The Bible has given us, this is our manual to follow. Make your time in the new year, read your Bible. You will be reading a lot of prayers here and it will amaze you how that God answered them speedily. Sometimes responding by fire. Fire would come down and consume the sacrifice on the altar. Just after praying in the understanding. Same prayer also you will find I think in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. A very long prayer at the dedication of the temple. When Solomon was praying and was reminding God how that you have told our fathers that if we have any problem and there is a war and there is famine and there is disease, there's an outbreak or there are people running after us and then we come into this house and we present our prayers before you and we make our petitions known to you. How that you said that your eyes will be open over this house and your ears will be open to our prayers because your name is here and your heart is here. And you will hear from heaven and you will deliver us and you will save us from... And he, he, he said that prayer to God and God responded at the end of the prayer. When we came into this building, that was the prayer I offered to God. 
That when people come into this house and they have challenges and they have burdens and they come in here and they lay their burden before the Lord and they pray and they lay it all bare that God, this is the same prayer that Solomon prayed, that you will hear us because your name is in this house. Your, your heart is here. Your ears are open and attentive to our prayers. And I tell you, God is answering prayers in this house. There are a couple of people in the adult church. This is the place where they pray. Now, but those of us who even have the building, we don't have the time. Some of you need to make some time out. Just come to church and come and pray. All you need is to get the right permission. Okay, the building is locked. Get the right permission. You have your pastor's number. You have your HM's number. Get somebody to talk to. Let them open the place for you. Come to the house of God and pray. Instead of wasting your time on TikTok and wasting time on Google. and Wasting time asking friends who, who cannot see beyond their nose. Some of you have turned your spiritual friends to the Holy Spirit. No matter how spiritual a friend is, he is not the Holy Spirit. She is not the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Are you with me? So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Would that be a good thing to do? Because I don't want to pursue in vain. 2024 is around the corner. By now, we should be asking God, Lord, what do you want me to do in 2024? What do you want me to start doing? What do you want me to stop doing? What do you want me to do differently? It will shock you. One of the things that God might tell you is that you're talking too much. It will amaze you when it tells you that you need to cut down the time you're wasting on social media. Because that thing is preventing you from listening to me. And I want to talk to you. Because I want to give you instructions to take you to the next level of your life. Nobody has the manual of your life in their hands. Not even your parents. Your parents may advise you they don't have the blueprint of God for your life because they were not there when he was putting you together in your mother's womb. Nobody assisted him, not your dad. He donated the sperm, glory be to God. Mama donated the egg, hallelujah. They don't own the sperm, they don't own the egg. God owns everything, he owns them. There are channels through which we all have come to this world. Are you with me, church? Let's not neglect God. Don't neglect God. It's at the expense of our destiny if we do that. If there's anything I want to achieve in this church, it is to connect us back to God. Connect us back to our source. That's where our help comes from. David the psalmist said in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, not from Google. Who made the heavens and the earth. Imagine the power that made the heavens and the earth. In Psalm 36 and verse 9, the psalmist said, For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light shall we see light. It's in the light of God you have direction. You see light. Light shows you the way. Are you with me? Come on. Are you with me, church? So David inquired that the Lord, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And this is my prayer. That for the remaining days of this year, there will be days of total recovery. I don't know what area of your life where you have suffered, where something has been taken away forcefully from you or stolen from you. It will be a period of total recovery for you in the name of Jesus. Can I have a better amen to that? God said, and without fail, recover all. I pray for you what God has said, that without fail, you will recover all. A better amen. So, David went 
he and 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. And, but David pursued he and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so thin that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread. And he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belonged to Judah. And upon the south of Caleb, we burned Ziklag with fire. That was the information that David needed. And David said to him, Can you bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear to me by God. That you will neither kill me, nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking. And dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines, and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men which rode upon camels, and fled. And David recovered all. That the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them. And this is for the expression house in the name of Jesus. There shall be nothing lacking to us. We will recover all. The Bible said there was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great. Not their mobile phones. Not even the earpiece. They didn't lose their Bluetooth. <laughs> Are you with me? They didn't lose a pen. They recovered all. David recovered all. And there was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great. Neither sons nor daughters. Neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. You will recover all in the name of Jesus. You need to go listen to the entire series to get where I'm coming from. But I need to move very fast this morning so I can wrap this up. And then we can do something new. Start something new next week by the grace of God. There's so many steps and so many factors that I've shared uh, when you are fighting to recover. First of all, you must have a fighting spirit, you know. <laughs> you must be ready to be resilient. And how do we fight? Our fight is not carnal. We don't engage in boxing and wrestling. How we fight is the good fight of faith. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Paul said to Timothy's son in the faith, he said, my son, he said, you must fight the good fight of faith. And then you lay hold on eternal life. If anybody's going to recover, you can't be a lackadaisical Christian. You can't be someone that has a lackadaisical attitude. Well, a Q-Sera-Sera attitude. What will be, will be. There are certain Christians, they cheat you in school. You say, what, what, what will be, will be. They cheat you everywhere you go. What will be, will be. You don't know how to fight. And look, when I say you don't know how to fight, I'm not talking about you exchanging derogatory remarks. No! Our fight is in our prayer closet. That's our war room. Have you seen the movie War Room? That lady fought in the closet for her marriage. And the Lord gave, gave her the man. The husband came back home and his head was correct. And the marriage became restored. You must fight. The good fight of faith. You can't afford to be beaten blue black by the enemy. Listen, the devil is not a gentleman. If you allow him, he will start from stealing. He will graduate to killing. He will graduate to total destruction. That is his commitment for life. That is his threefold ministry. 
to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10.10. 10. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you give the devil a foothold, he will establish a throne. If you see the devil on the road when you are driving and you give him a ride, in one minute, in less than a minute, he will be wanting to drive. He's an opportunist. That's why you need to pay attention to your thought life. Everything great starts with a single thought. Everything bad starts with a single thought. So when those thoughts are coming and you know these thoughts are unholy, these thoughts are ungodly, you kill them right there. You abort them right there. You don't let them fester. You don't meditate on them. Well, if I do this and do that, now you will graduate into what you don't like. My father would tell me back in the day, whatever you're not going to eat, don't smell. When you smell it, you'll be tempted to eat it. And the devil has a lot of apples to offer us, but his apples have worms. You can't trust his apples. They may look good on the outside, but they have worms on the inside. Are you with me, church? So, what do I want you to do? The last two things I want to share. This penultimate point I've shared before, but I want to share it again. Because it's so strong in my heart. Always go for divine direction. Always go for divine direction. Divine direction, or what they call divine guidance. Let the Lord guide you. We all need guidance. You agree with me? This is why people go to prophets. Because they believe that if a man is called to the office of a prophet, then he's able to see. He's able to also foretell. Not only to foretell, but to foretell. To tell something before it happens. But in the New Testament, we have all been given the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And there is no prophet greater than the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Oh no, that's too weak. Are you with me? I really am struggling with this microphone. The sound is not good. But I'll just make do with it. But if you can hear me, I'm fine. Can you hear me? Glory to God. Now, divine guidance is a major key to recovery. The enemies came. David and his men didn't know where the enemies came from. They had no clue. There were no CCTV cameras in Ziklag to record where the enemies came from. We have that technology today. They didn't have it back then. Even if there were CCTV cameras, remember, the enemy did maximum damage. They didn't only take their wives and sons and daughters, they also burned the city. Meaning they would have burned the cameras. How do you recover anything from a burnt camera? You just have ashes. You don't put ashes together and then make a camera out of ashes. So largely, David understood the importance of hearing from God. It's amazing to me how this sense of old worked with God so intimately and they were able to hear from God. And how it is that in our generation, where we have the Holy Ghost right from the day of Pentecost, dwelling in us and upon us and we have so much difficulty learning to hear from God. The Bible didn't record that the Holy Spirit dwelt inside Moses. He functioned under the old covenant. The Spirit could come upon three categories of people under the old covenant. The king, 
the priest and the prophet. He would come on them, use them for whatever purpose, and that was it. You remember Samson? He had these locks, which was his connection to the realm of the spirit. When the locks were shaved, he lost his connection. And he got up after he had been shaved. I will arise and fight as of old. The Bible says he wished not, he knew not that the spirit had departed from him under the old covenant. How come these men could hear from God very clearly? God was speaking to them and they could hear him. And as they followed and carried out his instructions, they had exploits. They did exploits. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1. I want that on the screen very quickly. Whoever is there. And you can also open your Bible, everybody. Exodus 6, 1. Let's do this exercise together. Might take a while, but let's do it. Exodus 6.1. Let's read it together. One, two, let us go. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh? For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Now, but this is what I need. I want to show you what I need here. And then the Lord said unto Moses. That's all we need. So let's read that. One, two, go. Then... The Lord said unto Moses, verse 2, and God spake unto Moses. Go to chapter 7 and verse 1. Exodus 7 and verse 1. Quickly. And the Lord said unto Moses. Did you see that repeated? Chapter 8 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses. I want you to read out loud. Let's read together. Chapter 9 and verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses. Chapter 10 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses. Chapter 11 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses. Make it louder. Chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses. Chapter 13 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Chapter 14 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Chapter 15 and verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. After the Lord had said and said and said and he had spoken and he had spoken and he had said and he had spoken and they did all he said. Then they came to a point where they sang. It was a song of victory. You want to sing a song of victory? You need direction. First of all. We all want to come to that point where everything is fine. Where everything around you is flourishing. Whatever I touch prospers. Whatever I lay my hand upon to do prospers. We like to be at that point. Where money is not your problem. You have all your needs met. And your enemies, God has taken care of them. Everybody likes that point. Everybody likes that part of their lives. In fact, some of us are praying, Lord, can you just fast forward my life and let me get to that point. We are maritally settled, financially blessed, mentally productive. Sexually pure, I don't have to think about extra affairs because I have my own person. Praise God, amen. We all like that part of our lives. And we wish that God would fast track it so we can get there very quickly. But it doesn't work that way. Before you come to the point of total recovery, there has to be a point 
of divine direction. Are you with me? Are you with me, church? Did you get anything from what I shared this morning? The Lord said to Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses. Why is the Lord not saying to Fred? Or is, that, is it that Fred is not hearing? Why is Bolu not hearing what God is saying? Why is John not hearing what God is saying? Why is Demilade hearing what our friend is saying and not what God is saying? Are you with me, church? Whereas Moses functioned under the old covenant. And we have a better covenant. Ratified by the blood of Jesus. Our spiritual channels should be open to pick signals from above. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching through all the inward parts of the belly. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Your spirit is God's candle. All it needs to do is to light up your candle and there is light everywhere. And you have direction. Direction is from the inside. It comes from the inside. It is called the inward witness in the New Testament. Romans 8 and verse 16, I believe, it says, Likewise, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Likewise, the Holy Spirit bear himself beareth witness with our spirit. There is an inward witness. You want to do business with that person and there is a witness in you not to do it. There is a red light. There's an alarm that goes off. Bang, 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 bang. There your money goes. There goes the money. You want to go into a relationship with that person and the alarm goes down, down, down. You say, no, he's handsome. No, he's tall. No, he has money. What else do I need in the man? He's everything that I need. You will soon find out. Can I ask you a question? Does the Holy Ghost know more than we do? You want to go to a country because that's where everybody's going and he doesn't have a plan for you there. His plan is somewhere else. The God that called Abraham and said, Abraham, Jackpa, get out of your father's country. Same God said to Isaac, when Isaac was going to Jackpa because there was a famine in the land, he said, stay there. And he made him to flourish there. The same God said to Jacob, the third generation, Jacob, get up, go back to your father's country. Go back home. Because that's where my plan is for you. Three different generations, three different instructions. Never you make the mistake of comparing your life to another person's life. Your life is unique. God's plan for your life is different. And all you need is to find out from the one that wrote the plan. Don't come to me for God's purpose for your life. I don't know God's purpose for your life. Am I God? Did you say Fred's purpose? Excuse me? What do you want to find out? Fred's purpose for your life or God's purpose for your life? There's a difference between what Fred can do and what Jesus can do. I can advise. I can't tell you 20, I mean, plainly and clearly, this is God's agenda for your life. No, I was not there when God was writing it. He didn't invite me to look into it. Neither did he invite your parents. Divine direction. Divine direction. It will save you your life. Oh. Divine direction will save you money. Divine guidance will save you from the people who are never supposed to come into your life at all. And help you severe yourself from the people that you have mistakenly mingled with. Divine direction. And nobody can hand it to you but the Holy Spirit. For your ears shall hear a word behind thee. Isaiah 30 and verse 21 on the screen. Singing to you. This is the way. Walk in it. Isaiah 30 verse 21. When you turn to the left... And when you turn to the right, 
And thine ears shall hear a word. Read it, everybody. Want to go. And thine ears. Make it louder. Want to go. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. Saying. Sorry. Did this say, and your pastor's ears shall hear a word for you? Your own ears shall hear a word behind you. Saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Your ears shall hear a word behind you. But pastor, I have a tough time hearing from God. My situation has depressed me. I understand that I've been there. I know what that means. But we must get rid of depression. Really? When you want to hear from God, you need to prepare your heart. One of the ways you prepare your heart is to be joyful. Joy is in you 24-7. You may not always be happy, but joy is there 24-7. Joy is not a function of what somebody gives you. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you are born again, you have the Holy Ghost, you have joy 24-7. And you can tap into it 24-7. In the midst of the most horrendous situation of your life, you can find joy. Oh yeah. Tough, I know. With tears streaming down your face, you still have joy. You might not be happy. I understand that. Happiness is external. Happiness is ephemeral. Happiness comes with stuff, with circumstances. But joy is always there. And I thank God for God that we always have joy. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Immediately after love, you have joy. Before even talks about peace. Isaiah chapter 30. Verses 29, 30, and 31. Let's look at this. We must get rid of depression. Young people, get rid of depression. Get rid of depression. And don't go on drugs to get rid of depression. Drugs will plunge you into a further ditch, a deeper ditch. It will mess up your life. I've seen young people messed up. Their naps messed up because of drugs. Don't go into sex. Ah, because it will lead you where you don't like to go. It will take you farther than you planned. And you will end up not liking it anymore. Let alone enjoying it. I know what I'm talking to about. Isaiah 30. Let's read from verse 29. You shall have a song. Read with me, everybody, one, to go. Make it louder, one, to go. You shall have a song. As in the night, when a holy solemnity is kept. And what? Sorrow of heart. Gladness of heart. That's another phrase to describe joy. And gladness of heart. As when, let's go, one, to go again. As when one goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord. To the mighty one of Israel. Because when you are coming to the mountain of the Lord, you come with joy. That's how to enter into his gates. It is with thanksgiving. Then when the gates are open, you now come into his inner courts with praise. Are you with me, church? Don't come with frowning. I've noticed since yesterday. So? So your praising God depends on whether you have eaten or not. You're not even thankful that you're alive. You are breathing. <laughs> Verse 30. After you have come with gladness of heart, after you have come with joy, after you have come with your song, because you, you must have a song. God gives his children a song. No matter how gloomy it may look, God still gives you a song. There's always that room for praise, that room for thanksgiving. Hallelujah. 
I said, hallelujah. And the Lord, let's read, one to go. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. Pastor, I can't hear the voice of God. I can't hear from, come with gladness of heart. Come with a song. Come with joy. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. I'm giving you practical tips to hearing the voice of God. And shall show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger and with the flame of a devouring fire with scattering and tempest and hailstones. Those ones are meant for the camp of your enemies. Are, are you with me, church? Wake up, wake up. Are you with me, church? Verse 31. For through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down which smote with a rod. The Assyrian represents a problem. It might be cancer. Carcinoma. The way that thing has destroyed people this year I hate it with the passion. If it ever has a trace in this church, right now, may it be destroyed from the roots in the name of Jesus. He's an Assyrian. Poverty, lack, is an Assyrian. Poverty is only romantic in books. When you read about it, you read, oh, wow, they lived in a house full of cockroaches and bedbugs. It's romantic. But in real life, it's hard. It's hard when you wake up in the morning, you have no clue what you're going to eat. You have no clue how you're going to pay your bills. It gives some people depression. That's why some people have, they say, our medical doctors don't tell us that one of the most potent medicines in the world is credit alert. It can make you smile in the middle of a funeral service. People don't know why you're smiling. You just pump, 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 you check your phone. Your account 2022XXXXX has been credited with 1.5 million. Are you kidding me? Says it 15,000. You count the zeros. Ah! Your last balance was 168,924,000. Now it is 1,500,000. Are you with me, church? Poverty is an Assyrian. He's a dream killer. Many people have dreams, big dreams, they have insights. They have concept, they are full of ideas, but no money to operationalize it. And let me tell you, don't spiritualize poverty. I don't glorify prosperity, but you don't spiritualize poverty. Why don't we have air conditioners in this church? Because we don't have the money yet. But we will have it, amen? Yeah. It's not a bad idea. Christmas is coming, people are hungry. We are not just going to give food packs to our church members. Why don't we go on the street and invite people? Come, come. Just come worship with us on Sunday. We just want to give you stuff. In America, some churches have food pantries, food banks. They announce, you come. And each pack they give you is a pack. You can't. In the Acts of the Apostles, the only, it wasn't, reading the Bible and praying was not the only way they fellowship. Read Acts chapter 4. 
they went from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship and having joy with one another and they were having favor with the people. That's why I'm praying that God will raise at least 100 millionaires from this house. The people that will look back and say, Pastor, I'm changing, I'm importing chairs from China for the expression house. I'm getting this is there. We need two new buses. You know the bigger ones, those, those coaster buses, fully air-conditioned. Somebody else will say, well, Pastor, I'm buying all the equipment for the church. Equipment where, that we can take out for outreaches. Not that we want to do an outreach somewhere. We unplug all the equipment of the church. We take it there. Where and tear will happen to it in the course of bringing it to and fro. No, let's have a new set for outside evangelism. Someone else will stand up and say, Pastor, I want to put certain money in the church account for students who might be having issues in paying their school fees and paying their rent. Would that not be nice? Somebody will tell somebody and will tell somebody, say, hey, you better come with me. <laughs> you better come to my church. And before you know it, the house is full. It is the reason God wants to prosper his church. But there's an Assyrian. The only way to bring down the Assyrian is through the voice of the Lord. The only way to hear the voice of the Lord is to fellowship with the Lord. And to fellowship with him with joy. Are you with me, church? Are you getting what I'm saying, church? Are you getting me at all? So you can't afford to stay in depression. Because in depression, you won't hear the voice of God. Go back to that verse 29. Let's see how he said we should come to God. Quickly, please. Media. For you shall have a song. Amen. From today, make it a practice. Have a song. Have a song for the week. Have a song. Bring the Holy Ghost. He will give you a song. He will give you a song. It doesn't have to be a popular song, but it will give you a song. And some of you know how that a song can be registered in your spirit for a season. Sing it. It's for a purpose. And you see, the devil is a, the devil is a very smart guy. He knows how to do that. That's why he encourages us to register ungodly and worldly songs in our mind. You agree with me? You can be in church and in your head you are hearing boom, 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 boom. That one that is very popular now. I don't know the one that's popular now. I, I, I've confessed my sin before. I told you a song was so registered and I, I had to ask, who sang this song? What happened to me that period was I had events back to back, you know, social events and they play all the songs. And that time it was fire, fire. Put one leg for fire. I still sang the song. Every time it was in my head. I didn't know the song. I didn't know the lyrics. But I knew, put your leg for fire. So it got to the peak one day. I went to my prayer closet. As I wanted to worship the Lord, I just had, put one leg for fire. I said, ah, I'm not putting any leg inside fire. In the name of Jesus. I had to ask, ask my wife. She's more sociable than myself. I asked some, some people who knew all the Nollywood and all this Bollywood and everything, and they advised me. I said, well, I will take charge of the spirit of that song because it's not a good one for me. I'm not putting my leg inside fire. You shall have a song as in the night when a holy solemnity is kept. There are songs for holy solemnity. Are you with me? They are not songs that encourage sin. They are songs of holy solemnity. And then these songs will condition your heart. So that your heart will be glad. When your heart is sad, it will show on your countenance. And when your heart is glad, it will also show on your countenance. The, the gladness is the factor that helps prepare and precondition your heart to hear from God. 
You don't hear with your ears. You hear with your heart, your spirit. Okay? The ears are just the channels. But we are hearing is a spirit-to-spirit communication. Job 32 verse 8. He said, but there's a spirit in man. He didn't say the brain in man. There is a spirit in man. And the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Isaiah 58 and verse 8. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. Put that on the screen for me. Isaiah 58 and verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Say amen. And thine health spring, shall spring forth speedily. Say amen. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. Righteousness, not sin. Righteousness. Righteousness will go before you. Righteousness. And then what happens? The glory of the Lord shall be thy real reward. No, there's a verse there. Next verse, verse 9. No, 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 no. Verse 10. No, 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 no. But it's there. Verse 11, thank you. And the Lord shall guide thee. How often? How often do you want God to guide you? Only in church on Sunday? You can be in the theater room, in the operating room, in the hospital, as a medical student, or as a doctor, or as a nursing student, or as a nurse, and everybody's confused. But God will guide you. No, don't put the scapula. Is it scapula? Scapel. Don't put it there. I know the scapel, now the blade. But there's ca- is this spatula? Sakulakula. <laughs> Don't put it there. Don't use the scalpel there. Sir, that's not where to make the incision. Uh, you, are you sure? I, I figure we should delay this surgery till tomorrow. In the natural, it doesn't make sense. But God will cause them to listen to you because God is the one guiding you and by the next day, no need for surgery anymore because that thing is not there anymore. The Lord shall guide thee continually. Don't go that route. That's your usual route. That's where you normally take when you're going home or going back to your hostel in the night. Go this way. Tonight is not the night to go to the reading room. Stay in your room. I want you to be before me for one hour. And one hour, heaven downloads everything you need for the exams. Your areas of concentration. The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat your bones. I thought somebody would say amen to that. And thou shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Because when God leads you, he feeds you. The Lord shall guide thee continually. When he guides you, what will come? satisfaction to your soul and it shall satisfy your soul. David the psalmist says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because he's the one leading me. He leadeth me in the path. Put that on the screen. He made me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Yes. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. 
When God leads you, you don't lack. When God leads you, you are never stranded. There might be a storm on the way you will overcome because it is God leading you. Are you with me? In Mark chapter 4, towards the end, he led them. He said, let's go to the other side. And in chapter 5, there was a storm. No, that's in chapter 4. Towards the end, there was a storm. But by chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible said they got there because it was the Lord leading them. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 10. Verses 9 and 10. In fact, 9, 10, and 11. Deuteronomy 32, 9, 10, and 11. Let's read together. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Uh-huh. He found him in a desert land and in, a, in the west howling wilderness. Uh-huh. He led him about. Uh-huh. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. When God leads you, he keeps you. Those who are led by God are fed by God. Those who are led by God are kept by God. He kept him as the apple of his eyes. As an eagle stared up her nest, fluttered over her young, spread out abroad her wings, take them, bear them on her wings, yes. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Next verse. He made him ride on the high places of the earth. When God leads you, you ride on the high places. Everybody looks at you as a high flyer. They don't know your secret. Your secret is divine instructions. How do you live your life? Divine instructions. Don't board that vehicle and you are safe. Move away from that place. Move to the next place and you are safe. Start that business. You start it and you are made. How come? Well, my, my secret is the Lord. The Lord's instructions. One of my mentors will say, find out where everybody is going ahead of them, and you get there quickly. Get there first. It's a secret to prosperity. Where is everybody going? We don't want to use fossil fuel anymore to drive our cars. Ah, how about we use electricity? Somebody found out. And bo Bongo, Tesla came. And you got to be rich <laughs> to own a Tesla. Find out the future. Can we make cars run on water? Lord, wisdom to make a vehicle run on water. And he gives that to you. Can you imagine how rich you will be in 24 hours? Fuel is expensive. Water is everywhere in abundance. God just gives you the, te the technology, the technical know-how to make cars run on water or to make airplanes fly on water. You are made for life. Divine instruction. When he found Jacob, he found him in a howling, wasting wilderness. A wilderness is a dry place. God found him there. And he did lead him. He led him alone. There's a time to be alone with God. There's a time to be with your friends. There's a time to separate yourself, young people. Separate yourself two days. Separate yourself three days. Separate yourself one day alone with God. He will download what you need. What you are looking for in Shokoto is in your Shokoto. You don't need to go far. Divine instructions. I've shown you examples from the Bible. Jacob was an example. He made him fat. He fed him with the butter of kind. He fed him. 
He made him ride. Put that back that, that scripture, 32. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 13 now. On the screen, please, media. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, not low places. God will make you stop doing business with mean men. He will take you before kings. Are you with me? And it's not a function of age. You might be the youngest person in the room. They will listen to you. What kind of wisdom is this? Esther O'Neill shared that testimony. Now, Dr. Esther O'Neill, Jake now. I think she's in America at the moment. I remember that she was telling me I should be traveling. She was in the room with boards of directors, big, big men, big, big people. She just said the little she could say. And everybody was coming to her after the presentation. Wow, that was insightful. You opened our eyes. When you really don't even know much about the topic. But the Holy Ghost giving you bullet points. One point, they are, still, they are, pondering, they are pondering over it. High places. In 2024, we are going to the high places. Yeah. Only five people came to church. Yeah. Enough is enough with mediocrity. Now we are going to limelight. Amen. Yeah. He made him ride on the high places. He wasn't the one that did it himself. God made that happen. God will make it happen for you. Yeah. I don't like this kind of amen. No. Yeah. You don't like high places. God doesn't have any problem putting us in key positions in this life. The only challenge God has is those positions having us. That he might eat the increase of the fields. Not that he will suffer lack. He will eat the increase of the fields. And he made them to suck honey out of the rock. A rock is a hard place. Yet God made honey to come out. Where others are experiencing hardship, God will bring ease to your life Amen. by divine guidance. Honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Oil makes your face shine. 2024, the remaining part of 2023 and 2024 will be our time of shining. Can I have an amen? amen. No more down days in your life. No more wearing a sad countenance in the mighty name of Jesus. We are not going to make it happen by our efforts. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit. Share the Lord. Oil out of the flinty rock. Amen. Amen. And that's pure oil. Out of the flinty rock. Pure oil. Because only God can manufacture oil. This is not out of palm kernel. This is out of rock. Rock oil. My God. Rock oil. Have you tasted it before? Have you used, have you rubbed it on your head before? We will see miracles upon miracles upon miracles upon miracles upon miracles upon miracles upon miracles, supernatural interventions from today to the rest of the year and throughout 2024 in the name of Jesus. Divine guidance is key. Romans 8 14 tells us as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In the, in the message translation, it says God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. All the places to go throughout this year and throughout next year, God will begin to download it to your spirit in the name of Jesus. 
all the things to do, as you make time alone with God, before this year is over, God will download it to you in the name of Jesus. We must have time for sober reflections. We must have time to be alone with God. This is the period of parties. All kind of parties in town. All kind of jams. All kind of jamborees. Please, make a day out to be alone with God. Make two days out to be alone with God. Your destiny is more important than being a party goer. All the parties you've gone to, what have they brought to your life? Now we they run this town. No, now this town they run you. I don't know anybody running this town. I was born in the year 1980. This town has been this town. People have lived, they've died. Town remains. Somebody says, now we they run this town. Who is running this town? Don't follow them. Go to your closet, spend time alone with God. Number two, which is the last point I'm going to give you. If you're on the journey to total recovery, you must be resilient in praise. You must be resilient in praise. <laughs> you must learn to praise God in advance. Don't wait until you receive that miracle before you praise God. Some of you praise worship time in church. You don't enjoy it because, you know, God has not yet answered that prayer. And so why am I going to praise God? Why am I going to be shouting? Shout before it comes. And shout when it comes, and shout after it has come. <laughs> Praise. We, till today, we have not yet explored the power of praise. There's a typical example in Second Chronicles chapter 20. In the wilderness of Tekoa, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the sons of Asaph. And he prophesied. Jehoshaphat was leading the army. They had the people. He had the people with him. And they were going to fight the children of Ammon, the children of Moab, and the people of Monsir. Three powerful nations came together against Israel and Judah. Judah is praise. They came against praise. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon that young man. And he said... You will not need to fight in this battle. You stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the battle is the Lord's. And the moment he prophesied that, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat went on his face and worshipped God. And all the people of Judah, they did the same. They worshipped God. One of the things I'm trusting the Holy Ghost to also teach us in the new year is to worship God. How to really, really worship God. Worship brings down his presence. You are a worshiper. You are a carrier of his presence. Your life oozes the atmosphere of heaven. Ah, hell has to run. Anywhere you appear, hell has to disappear. Because you have brought heaven. You have brought the atmosphere of heaven on earth. Very important. But it's the most boring thing for some people. I learned a pastor somewhere. Stop this choir from singing Gospel song says that's too boring. And then he said, give us this secular and worldly songs. You sure know that that's not the pastor. He's a hireling. If the children of Israel could sing, what did they even sing? Praise the Lord, for he is good, 
for his mercy endureth forever. That was all. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. If Jehoshaphat put the choir ahead, the army behind, because the Lord had spoken, this is not your battle. The battle is not yours. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. You are trying to fight it yourself. You are doing everything yourself. He said, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. So praise him. He will do the fighting. The power in praise and worship. And as they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushment in the midst of the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Ammon and Moab, they were, they were cousins. Are they cousins? We don't even know whether they are cousins or, or nephews. They were given back to by the two daughters of Lot. They shared the same father. Their father was their grandfather. It's a, it's, it's a mystery to unravel. How can the father of your mother also be your father? So your mother says, dad, you should say grandpa. But you say, no, dad, dad, dad. The dad of the mom is the dad of the sons. Very confused. If the foundation be destroyed. So they were coming from that background. The two of them teamed up with Mausia. But as the children of Judah were praising God on the other side, confusion came into their own camp. Ammon and Moab looked at Mausia. Say, why are you looking at that? Why are you looking at us like that? Is it mad? Show the mad me. With the sub gone. Show the wine me. Yeah. You didn't whine me. She people came together to fight this people. Who came with you to fight who? Look at, oh my God. The buka cavity is smelling like soak away. Me? They started fighting. The two of them teamed up and they Battles won where we didn't fight. Yeah. Our father is Ajaguma Fitiboshe. He doesn't need a gun to fight a battle. It's the old Lugbeja himself. Thank you for fighting my battles for me. Jehovah, old Lugbeja. Thank you for fighting. Some of these songs, you should just sing them in the night. Or wake up in the morning and just sing them. And just bless him and bless him. For the Lord is good. 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 And his mercy endureth forever. Someone say, oh no, those kind of songs are boring. Ah, there goes the power. There is none. Holy as the Lord, holy as the Lord, there is none. 
besides thee. Oh Lord, besides thee, neither is there any rock like our God. There is none holy. Is there a rock like our God? You must have a song. You must have a song. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Sing it to the Lord. They were singing it and the enemies were killing one another. Listen, at the end of that battle, there was so much spoil to gather. So much so, it took them three days to gather spoil. To remove bangles, earrings of gold, necklaces of gold, legend of gold, designer outfits. Go there. We close there. Second Chronicles 20. So, Pastor Fred is not just uh, giving us stories. I was church today. Oh, great. What did Pastor teach? He told us a story. Read it yourself. Go to verse 20. 25. Verse 24. 24. And when Judah came to, to what, the watchtower in the wilderness... They looked unto the multitude and behold, there were dead bodies falling to the earth and none escaped. Say amen. amen. Verse 25. Because none of your enemies will escape. Amen. amen. None of them. None of them. None. None of them. None. None that ever came against you will escape. Amen. amen. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in scarcity. Come on, talk to me, church. In a little measure. When the Bible says abundance, abundance is what? Come on, talk to me. Abundance is abundance. We're talking about plenty. Plenty. Surplusage. Access. Somebody say access. Found with them in abundance. Both riches. With the dead bodies, riches. They found money. They found USD. They found GBP. They found Japanese yen. They found some Swiss francs. Some of them brought euro. They brought it to the war front. Why did they bring it to the war front? These people had gone to fight other nations. They had taken spoil from those nations. They had taken money from those nations. Gold, earrings, necklaces, trinket boxes. All manner of precious things. Plus what they had at home, they brought everything to war. Why did they bring it to war? Because God was involved. Yeah? Pack everything you have. Everything. Everything. Yeah. My, my kids need those Gucci bags. They need those Louis Vuitton shoes. Yeah. They're, they're for my kids. The best things of the world are for the children of God. 
Can I have an amen to that? Take them along. Take them along. Those very expensive Italian suits from Milan. Take them along, boy. Take the Versace. Take it. Take it. Stacey Adams. Take everything along. Don't forget the YSL. Don't forget it. Don't forget the Polo Baraf. Pack everything. Someone say everything. Not only stuff. Let's read. Let's read. And precious jewels. So all of those earrings and all of those bangles and what do you call these things now that we wear on the wrist? Bracelets. I've been calling them bangles. Bracelets. But you got bangles too. Where do you wear bangles? On the wrist as well. Oh Lord have mercy. (laughs) Pastor, yeah. (laughs) Praise God, amen. Plus the bangles, plus the bracelets. What do you call the leg chains? Anklets. I know they, they have names for those things, man. Everything. All the jewels. Now you can imagine women went to war with them. <laughs> what for? They should have stayed back at home, but they went with their husband. Because nothing must be kept at home. Because God's children needed those things. So empty your house, bring it to war. And you're going to die at the war front. My kids are going to have those things. A wealth transfer to the church. Can I have an Amen. Some won't like me for what I'm sharing this morning. Say, oh, no, you're teaching them prosperity. Should I teach them poverty? Which they stripped off for themselves. More than they could carry away. The Bible says more. So they couldn't carry everything away at once. The Bible says And there were three days in gathering of the spoil. Why? It was so much. Imagine going to bank to make withdrawals for three days. And you are not on a queue. You make your first withdrawal. Ghana must go bad. You put it in your car. You take it home. You come back again. You gather the stuff. You take it home. You come back again until you are tired. Now I'm tired. Day two, you resume. Gather again. Gather, gather. And then you're tired. You eat and drink and sleep. And then you come, wake up again, gather. And then the third day, for three days, they were gathering stuff. Stuff that will last them so many years. In one day. I see God bringing total recovery. Some of us have lost years. The Lord will restore to you the years that you have lost. The years that the locust has eaten. The cankerworm. The caterpillar. The great army that has been sent to devour you. God will bring to you in one day everything they have stolen in 15 years. Say amen. Amen. Say better amen to that. And this is where I'm going to stop. Verse 26. And on the fourth day, they did something. They assembled themselves in the valley of Baraka. Baraka is Baraka. Barak. The blessing. The valley of the blessing. For there. They blessed the Lord. These people had praised the Lord before. They had worshipped the Lord before. He gave them the victory. Now he handed them the victory. Now they came back again to do the same thing. Pre and post. 
Got out of the valley of Baraka. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the same place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. I figure they named that place Baraka by themselves. It was in that valley they gathered and they blessed the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And the name that place, the valley of the blessing, the valley of Baraka. The valley of Baraka. And it is called unto this day the valley of Baraka. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them, to go again to Jerusalem with joy. Can you see joy again this morning? For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. Ah, this jumped at me this morning. The Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. We will rejoice. Over all that hate us, we will rejoice. Over all our enemies, we will rejoice. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest round about. God will give you rest round about. The Bible says those countries were in fear. Why? Those kingdoms were living in fear. The fear of God was on them. Why? Because they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. We serve a God that fights for us. Fights against our enemies. He does fight. In Yoruba, God fights. God fights. God fights for his children. God fights. May God not fight you. And God is with someone. Don't fight that person. I have closed the sermon. But I want to show you one scripture. Should I show you? Joshua chapter 10. Media will help me locate the verse. But in my head, I can figure verse 11. Book of Joshua. Chapter 10. Joshua went to battle. But God took over the battle. Okay. Okay, I found it. But I want to take it from verse... Joshua chapter 10. I want to take it from verse 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. Please stand, stand everybody. I have that instruction. We read this standing. And all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear them not, for I have delivered them into your hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Say amen. Joshua. Therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night 
And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, the Lord himself. And chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon. And smote them to Azekah and to Makeda. God himself. Verse 11. And it came to pass. As they fled from before Israel, they were trying to escape. And were in the going down to Beth Horon. That the Lord, the who? The Lord on high. Jad hey, Vav hey, Jehovah. Cast down great stones from heaven. There are stones in heaven. Amen. Great stones from heaven. They were escaping Joshua and his men. God said, don't worry. I got you. I got them. Cast down great stones from heaven. And what happened? Upon them unto Azekah. And they died. They were more. This is what I want you to see. They were more. Which died with hailstones that fell from heaven than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. God killed more than the children of Israel did. God fights. He just spoke to the stones. This thing you call cloud. I think it's just air. Whatever. If one falls on Nigeria, in split seconds, Nigeria is gone. But the Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. The Almighty God has kept us January to December. We are complaining, I don't have money. If he allows a hailstone to fall on your head or fall on your car, it will flatten the car. God fights. But God fights for his own children. Is it worthy of our praise? Can God deal with more enemies than you can? Does he have more resources than you do? Is God more connected than you are? I don't know that song, but I can hear it in my spirit. 